Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. It's June 1st, 2023, and this is Off Chain, your weekly recap of the biggest stories in Web3. I'm Matthew Hells Barbie, and as always, I'm here with Austin Knight. How you doing, Austin? Doing well, Matt. Uh, yeah, wild times. We've got some interesting stuff to talk about this week. I'm excited to jump into it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, we've got a few, few important things happening outside of crypto as well. It seems as though, uh, touch wood, <laughs> the debt ceiling <laughs> impasse is going to be breached, at least in the US, or, or at least kicked down the road till 2024. <laughs> uh, it seems like we're making progress there. I think it's just now about to go to the, the Senate, right? It's like the final piece. So looks like your, your country is not going to go bankrupt just yet, Austin. Yeah. Probably a good uh, thing. I guess, I guess that's a good thing. I, there is a part of me that's like, you know what? Like, let's just default and see what happens. <laughs> Buy the dip, Austin. Buy the dip. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, it's really it, it's a it's it's a very kind of it's it's a wild situation, and I think this whole debacle with the debt ceiling illustrates to me more than anything the more so how much financial markets can be just held in the hand of a small few for political maneuvering and things like that. Mm -hmm. I I think it's fair to say, I don't think anyone across uh, Republican or Democrats in isolation would be okay with the US defaulting on its debt, right? It'd be really catastrophic for a number of reasons and would be a terrible look for both parties, to be honest. Um, And this really is just all about, you know, infighting, power struggles and trying to get that pound of flesh in an opportune yeah. time. So, but yeah, it seems like markets are kind of responding positively. I saw today Eurozone inflation, not including the UK, of course, uh, dropped by way more than uh, anticipated. It's down to 6.1% uh, right now, which is a good thing. Um, looks like we may even, uh, the kind of the odds of the Fed increasing rates at the next, which I think is the next review is in the next week or two, uh, mm-hmm. is potentially increasing, uh, or at least now they're shifting the narrative towards, this isn't necessarily going to be a pause, it's going to be a break uh, right. so, some some semantic uh, play there, but we got a lot of fun stuff crypto related to to talk about today. We've got a straight up hilarious story that you're going to be covering uh, in the world of uh, DeFi, uh, Austin. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about token unlocks um, and what's been going on with Optimism, the uh, layer two uh, blockchain. I'm going to talk just a little bit about like the significance of token unlocks and how you should think about that if you're you're holding, uh, in particular, DeFi tokens. And then we're going to kick things off with, man, what feels like a, a bad week of news for, for, for Binance in, in yeah. general, which we kind of said last week as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Let's kick things off. Bitcoin was trading at a 20% discount on Binance Australia this week. That's right. Bitcoin was trading for cheaper than the market rate on Binance's Australian arm of their exchange. Now, before you get 
overly excited here. Uh, if you weren't already aware, Binance has been facing some challenges with its banking partners, which we covered last week uh, and I think around about a month ago where Binance was struggling in the UK, um, Canada, and now Australia. Um, this this led to them announcing that they will be exiting Australia as well as Canada. Um, and earlier in May, Binance announced that Australian customers, and I think this is the most important part of all of this, won't be able to deposit uh, AUD, Aussie dollars, in and in some cases withdraw AUD from the exchange. And this in itself has caused, over the past week, a liquidity crunch in AUD trading pairs. So things like AUD, B, uh, BTC trading pairs. It, it's worth noting, though, that customers could still like on and off ramp uh, using credit or debit cards. But as you can imagine, there's a ton of friction in doing that, especially mm-hmm. like in any kind of size. Um, so that has been a real issue. They've been struggling with liquidity. And as a result, the AUD uh, Bitcoin trading pair um, kind of felt this particularly acutely. So on Tuesday of this week, which was uh, May 30th, um, BTC was trading at around about $5,000 cheaper. So around about 20% compared to other exchanges. And in a statement to Reuters, a Binance spokesperson said the following, due to the recent removal of fiat on-ramp services by our payment processor's banking partner, some Australian users have been withdrawing their AUD holdings from the platform in advance of the off-ramp closure on June 1. I'm, I'm going to just interject here. June 1 is today. So this is kind of like the 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 D-Day for mm-hmm. um, uh, all of this kicking off. As a result, AUD pairs have experienced less liquidity, which has impacted their pricing. We will be delisting remaining AUD pairs in line with the closure of fiat off-ramp services. Now, Binance isn't the only one facing issues with banking partners, but it's definitely another big blow for what is the world's largest exchange. And on top of this, on the note of big blows for the exchange, it it was broke yesterday by, I think, WooBlockchain, that they are reportedly cutting 20% of its workforce um, by the end of June, I think, uh, was, was what's reported. They have around 8,000 people that are employed. So that is a significant amount, around about 1,500, 1,600 people. Um, it's been confirmed by several anonymous internal employees. And for quite a while, it hadn't been, I mean, it just hasn't necessarily been explicitly denied by Binance. However, CZ came out on Twitter with his uh, typical four response saying this is uh, this is FUD. And I, I find this kind of bizarre, actually, Austin. So so he says um, that a load of this is FUD. Binance has a, quote, bottom out. And he says, we should probably rename it something else program. We constantly say goodbye to people who are not strong fits with the company. Many of them are great people or high performance, but may not fit our unique culture slash situation. Small example, 
working from home is not for everyone. <laughs> this, quote, program is constant. I push for it on a weekly basis. There are no percentage of people we have to push out. I also push for cost-cutting servers, flights, meals, etc. every week too. Well, Austin, that's a whole lot of people that work, working from home is not cut out for. What, <laughs> what, what do uh, we think yeah. about this? Well, first off, I mean, the fact that Binance has 8,000 employees and they're they're cutting 20% of them, that is, those are some interesting numbers to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, 8,000 sounds like a lot of people, right? I don't know <laughs> how many of those people may be sort of, you know, in customer support or account management or, or whatever, but like... That's, for example, you know, if thousands of those are engineers or designers or whatever, that sounds like a lot to me. Yes. Um, Nevertheless, one thing I will say is, especially over the course of the past year and a half-ish, I have become absolutely repulsed by the sort of fake apology, virtue signaling-esque messages that CEOs post when they do layoffs where they're like, you know, I take full responsibility. And the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was to say goodbye to (laughs) 20,000 people today (laughs) or whatever, you know, Um, it's like, I I, I really, really dislike that. I I think that it shows a lack of ownership um, when, you know, a, a CEO or an executive team tries to, you know, purchase social currency by, acting like they I'm sure that they do feel bad but I think that many many of these messages have gone way too far Uh, my favorite of of which was you know how how we had equitable layoffs (laughs) Uh, yeah okay Um, but I would say that CZ is pretty well in the opposite extreme here and I I felt like this was a a pretty uh, I don't know grotesque way to you know depart with 20% of your workforce because basically what he's saying here is again i i think he's not taking ownership in this case either like you know going to the virtue signaling extreme that is not taking ownership for the real impact that you're having on uh you know on the people that you're laying off but also for you know the impact that ha- that has had on on your business and the 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 weaknesses or vulnerabilities of your business i think actually the same thing is happening here even though he's at the opposite extreme which is that he's almost kind of I, I, the way that i read into this is he's trying to say like oh there's nothing wrong with our business like this is yeah. just our sort of typical process of getting rid of 20% of our people that are low performers or or that you know work for home work from home isn't for them and it's like i, I don't buy that for one second I mean, you imagine being one with... of those people as well. Like, it'd be just yeah. a, it'd be so. I don't even know how I'd feel. I'd, I'd of course be angry. I'd just at that point, would I even be shocked? Probably, probably not. I, I also want to interject a little bit and share a tweet that has been kind of uh, going around a fair bit. I remember when CZ shared this tweet mm-hmm. from back in November. Uh, November 2022. Oh, yes. A lot of of companies. And he just tweets, beware of platforms that, one, offer high APYs and or two, have layoffs. If you don't do risk (laughs) management now, don't blame others for the consequences later. And it's just, I remember at the time thinking, you know, that's going to come back to haunt you. No -hmm. no doubt. And also what a horrible take, right? Like, Mm Uh, no one wants to to do layoffs, and I think that some of the market conditions haven't exactly helped with with a lot of this. But 
it's uh yeah it's just really it's just really not great i think the way this has all been dealt with and it's just a pattern of sidestepping any yes. criticism criticism right now that that's happening which is a giant red flag for anyone in this space mm-hmm. i agree that is that's the thing that that worries me i would say actually the most about Agreed. finance uh you know put all of these sort of yellow flags and and red flags aside that have sort of made their way through the media and you know binance pulling out of certain regions or freezing uh exchanges and things like that but all of that to the side a, a leadership that consistently does not address or take ownership of real problems that are being pointed out to them that is a real concern because it's a sign of hubris and blindness to problems, right? And thus a potential inability to fix a problem when the real scary problems arise, right? Uh, so, you know, whether or not Binance is in a situation where they're sort of facing down real problems, I think you you and I, Matt, we, we're both pretty comfortable saying like the jury is definitely still out on that, even though there are, you know, there might be some blood in the water. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but what we do know is that I think CZ's, at least his public behavior, um, has has kind of waded into the territory of being a bit concerning because if the, the real detrimental problems are not there right now, in the event that they do arrive, I think he's demonstrated some leadership qualities that would indicate that those problems aren't going to be adequately addressed when when they do arise. Uh, And so that's, uh, you know, that's what's making me feel weird about Binance. I've always felt a little bit weird about how he has behaved publicly with these types of things. But like in the past, it wasn't like real issues that that they were facing down. It was more him kind of like gloating when, Mm -hmm. you know, other competitors faced issues. And I felt that that was, you know, a little immature, a little bizarre, um, yep. but it, you know, it's like, well, Binance is winning, so whatever. But now right. when they're start, they're starting to face issues to see him not pivot toward, you know, a little bit more humility and self-reflection and ownership. I think that is concerning. Straight out the, uh, the Do Kwon playbook, I believe. <laughs> uh, our favorite. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Talking about, uh, disasters. Let's jump into what is quite possibly the most crypto story. I think I have ever come across. Let's jump in now, Austin. Unable to contact. Those are the words <laughs> that the team from Multichain have said when describing the situation with their CEO, Zhao Jun, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's right. Uh, Multichain are currently unable to contact their CEO. He has gone MIA. And uh, this is causing some serious problems for them. We'll, we'll get into what exactly those problems are. But if you're not familiar with multi-chain, they are one of the largest bridging protocols in the crypto ecosystem. They are known, uh, they were known as AnySwap before they suffered an $8 million exploit back in 2021. But now they are known as multi-chain and they're pretty big. Their total transaction volumes exceeded $100 billion earlier this year, and they facilitate the exchange of tokens across multiple networks, allowing for ecosystems such as Finance Chain, Avalanche, Polygon, and Ethereum to interact with each other. On Wednesday, they suspended their cross-chain routes. Why? 
because they're unable to contact their CEO who has access permissions that are necessary for server maintenance. So basically their CEO is, has gone MIA nowhere to be found. And they're like, uh, he kind of has like the, the keys, the login (laughs) info to maintain our servers. And so we're not able to do that right now. So we're going to have to shut down some of our services. That's crazy. Isn't it the beautiful thing, decentralization? Uh, like <laughs> <laughs> when you can just build this wonderful decentralized protocol with a single point of failure that is a human, probably the biggest liability of a point of failure that that, that has ever existed on Earth. So it, it's just, uh, you, you cannot write this stuff. Um, but the plot thickens, I believe. It does. So from Multichain's Twitter, they have said, quote, in the past two days, the Multichain protocol has experienced multiple issues due to unforeseeable circumstances. The team has done everything possible to maintain the protocol running, but we are currently unable to contact our CEO and obtain the necessary server access for maintenance. What a quote, they, right, Matt? Do, you know, do you think when they, when they say the team has done everything possible do you think they're just all in a room trying different variations of passwords like <laughs> what's his daughter's name try that with like the number one after it uh try like password 10 they're at like in the millions now of numbers that they're adding on to just like random strings of text and uh, like guys we're out we're out fresh out of ideas here we don't know what to do <laughs> they're like dming him on instagram or something oh what's, yeah. what's that bar that he usually hangs out with send send, <laughs> send somebody down there to the bar maybe he's just stuck there i i don't I know, know surely man. surely they could just hack his ledger right like the con ledgers <laughs> just be hacked now i thought that was the thing uh <laughs> yeah yeah cut cut off his uh his credit card maybe he'll show up uh yeah. anyway <laughs> So, yes, without the access to the servers for maintenance, the remaining team, they just can't keep the bridges online for a long list of blockchain services, including CacChain, Public Mint, <laughs> just, just before Chain. you Just before you read these out, Austin, <laughs> this is hands down my favorite part of this story. I will, <laughs> I, I will give you one ETH for any of these chains that you have even heard of. <laughs> Oh, yeah, not at all. Um, nevertheless, they exist. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, Keck Chain, Public Mint, Dino Chain, Red Light Chain, Dexit, Ecta, HPB, Onus, Omex, Findora, Plank. I haven't heard of what? any of these. Um, but what it are is these? Red Light Chain? Like, like <laughs> listen, I have done my fair bit of degenning, and I have not even come across any of these. Like, what the hell are they even supporting these things for? Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, on top of that multi-chain, they have a native token called Multi, and it has lost nearly half its value in the past seven days. So bullish. obviously, very bullish. There are, yeah, there are some real concerns uh, over this. Now, as of right now, and after days of rumors and searching, the CEO is still nowhere to be found, uh, and he's got like big media outlets reaching out to him. It's wild. Now, this is this is where things get a little interesting, Matt. Some of the rumors that are going around, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, they're they're saying that he may have been Jack Maud. Oh no. Uh, this is the you don't want to get Jack Maud. If there's anything, <laughs> if there's anything that does not want to happen to you, you do not want to get Jack Maud. Oh yes. Wow. Now, if you're not familiar with what happened to Jack Ma, uh what, gosh, it must have been like a couple years ago now, right? Um, yeah. He was at a conference where he very, very, very 
sort of, I would say, subtly criticized the uh, the Chinese banking system. And the, I think the, subtle is even harsh at this yeah, point. Yeah, it was like really, 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 uh, you know, understated what, what he said. You had to read between the lines big time um, to, to, to pull out the criticism of the CCP. And then, you know, Jack Ma was one of the wealthiest people in China, one of the wealthiest people in the world, always was viewed as one of the most powerful people in, in China and a huge influencer uh, in this, the, within the CCP because of his sort of business dealings with Alibaba and everything like that, he disappeared and he came back and he was a cheerleader <laughs> for oh, the yeah. CCP. Well, um, hasn't he been relegated to just being a teacher now? I think is that like his punishment? Yeah, yeah like the, he's uh, yeah, poor Jack Ma. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, people don't want to get Jack Ma, but last week rumors surfaced that Chinese authorities had arrested actually several multi-chain executives, including their CEO. So mm. now it's all starting to come together. Now, the arrests still haven't been confirmed or denied by Chinese authorities, but Binance was forced to respond to the news, and they even suspended certain token deposits as a result of it. Uh, and on top of that, Chinese officials are rumored to have taken control of a $1.6 billion wallet belonging to the company. So oh, maybe that's where our multi-chain CEO is. Yeah, I, do you know, this is now like jogging uh, my memory a little bit. I seem to remember a couple of weeks ago, there was some, one of the people that I follow, because I used to use uh, um, multi-chain. I think it was probably like the most used cross-chain bridge for the long part, certainly through DeFi, um, like the DeFi summer and late into 2021. And now the past few months, it's been kind of terrible and you got better services like Orbiter and all of those other ones. But um, so I kind of have a bunch of people in my Twitter feed, right? That from when I was using uh, multi-chain and I seem to remember someone saying something about like some funds uh, moving from like the treasury and it looking really suspicious. I'm just like Googling this uh, as we, oh yeah. Okay. Panic over, right. Hold on. Deeper. Multi-chain has issued 35% of phantom assets, including 80% of its total stablecoin cap. Um, oh yeah. Mm. I think it was like, Oh no. Okay. This is it. It was just that the Chinese uh, authorities, control they now control that wallet which belonged to the treasury of like 1.6 billion dollars there was just like a load of really strange stuff uh that was that was happening around the the run-up to this so uh, i think this is kind of what caught my eye as well and when you were talking about this story but oof, it's um it's not looking good um the, yeah. i think the tldr i'll say for anyone listening if you do much bridging don't don't use multi-chain stay away from it if you hold multi-tokens not financial advice, but probably not going to be a great couple of weeks of uh, volatility yeah. for you. Yeah. Well, talking about volatility and uh, tokens, <laughs> let's jump into the uh, the last story we're going to cover today. For any of you that are either holders of Optimism's OP token or are fans of what is one of the largest layer two blockchains, the, the kind of optimistic roll-up chain that serves um, 
the, as a scaling solution for Ethereum, something pretty big happened yesterday. So $587 million worth of OP tokens, that's the native token to Optimism, unlocked yesterday. What do I mean by unlocked? Well, in many, many cases with decentralized protocols, uh, you will, to begin with, um, allocate tokens to various contributors like early investors, to uh, the core team, to a foundation, and they will have vesting schedules attached to them so that they won't all be dumped initially. But this was a very significant amount. It actually accounts for 9% of the total supply that will ever um, kind of be released. This more than doubled the total circulating supply of OP tokens. It's it's also worth, just as a, an additional call out, if you're trying to still figure out, wait, which one is Optimism again? If you remember, we, we talked about Coinbase were building their base uh, blockchain. They're building that on the OP stack, uh, which is the, the, the Optimism tech stack. And they will not be launching their own native token. They will actually be using the OP token um, as, as part of this. So that's another little link here. So 386 million OP tokens at a valuation of just under $600 million at the time, at least, Unlocked yesterday. Uh, in the run-up to the unlock, there was a lot of discussion as to whether there would be a big sell-off. Well, there was. And the reason why I want to kind of include this, because I think a lot of people, especially when you're thinking about um, investing in usually DeFi tokens, where you have these kind of big unlocks that happen. I remember we were talking about, was it a couple of years ago, the big Solana unlock that was happening and things mm -hmm. like that. Um Typically what happens when a ton more supply comes onto the market is price goes down for a number of reasons. Um, but one of the, the the big things that often happens is in the run-up to a big unlock, which again, you will be able to find out and I'll show, share some tools on how you can do this, but they're all locked into smart contracts, uh, hopefully, uh, that everyone can, can see and know when things are going to be distributed. One of the big things that happens in the run-up is nobody wants to be last out the door. So Wintermute, which many of you, if you're in the space, may be familiar with, they are one of the largest, if not maybe the largest uh, market maker in the crypto space. Um, they were one of the big investors in Optimism. In fact, they had that whole bizarre situation where um, the Optimism team, when they first launched, actually sent all of their initial token distribution to the wrong wallet address, which was actually hilarious. Um, but <laughs> that piece to one side, Wintermute actually dumped $10 million worth of their OP holdings uh, last week, which translated to around about 27% of their total OP holdings altogether. Past seven days, OP price is down 14%. That actually represents the second largest drop of any top 100 token by market cap. The only token that actually fell by a greater percentage was the wonderful meme coin Pepe. So kind of tells you in what league you are uh, falling alongside. And that only fell by 15%. Um, so really important to think about a lot of this. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of volatility over the coming weeks. And 
it's not just optimism. I think Arbitrum had another big unlock coming. Um, but one thing that I really love, and I, I don't think I've shared this, and I'm just going to say just before I mention this, no affiliation. I don't even know if they do like anything that's like paid. This is just an, a really great website. If you go to token.unlocks.app, um, you can look at any kind of uh, token that is currently listed and it will tell you like the total supply that's circulating, when next major unlocks are coming, some info about like holder distribution, et cetera, et cetera. It can be super valuable to know because, you know, as we've seen with optimism, large token unlocks often result in large drawdowns on price. So pretty good to, to get ahead of this. It's a pretty awesome website. I'm a big fan of it. Um, there's also a bunch of other places that, that you can have a look. But generally speaking, I would just be very wary of token unlocks in the future. All right. I think that's pretty much all we've got time for today, Austin. I know we've flown through some of this. Um, we'll, uh, we'll catch up, as always, next week. I'll see you then. Talk to you then, Matt. Contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.